How do we how do we start rap pod? We just kind of get into it, right? Mm, yeah, okay. I think so. Just start talking about. Just start talking. We're talking. We're talking about rap pod. We're talking yeah. about Rage Against the Pod. This is the quintessential. This is the greatest Rage Against the Machine podcast in the entire world, in the entire universe. That is true. And that's actually. because yes, yeah. No, I know it is. That's why I just said it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is Rage Against the Pod. This is where every week Jeff and I get into a different Rage Against the Machine song. We break it down. We dissect it. We get into the nitty gritty of every single one of Rage Against the Machine songs because the world needs us. The world needs some people like us in the world. Wait, I just repeated. I was really, yeah, the people need people that have people. <laughs> sure. Exactly. I'm just rambling. But if you like our show, even if you don't like our show, go give us five stars on iTunes. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us there because that means a lot. And just keep on listening because we are the best. Uh, our social media, Instagram is Rage Against the, at Rage Against the Pod, and our Twitter is Rage Against Pod. So go check us out there. Talk to us there. Do whatever you want to us there. I don't care. Do whatever. Tell us you hate us. I don't Do care. Whatever. But today, well, this week was my pick. And, you know, I, I went with, with the banger Down Rodeo. Okay, there you go. We're doing just, Down Rodeo. Just grooving into it. Just getting into it. It teases you, too you, much. It does. It's so it just starts off so heavy. Fuck, man. So what are what are your initial thoughts on the song Down Rodeo? I've never actually really paid attention to this song as a whole because I've always just been so hyped up to say I'm rolling down Rodeo with a shotgun. And that's like the coolest part of this song for me. Actually, still today, even. I just think it's a really cool lyric. So I've never actually paid attention to the song and all the little nuances of it. But now, like this week that we dove into it a little bit deeper, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, both musically and lyrically, I, I, I think they're pretty, uh, pretty heavy stuff lyrically, especially. But uh, the music itself, I, I think this is one of the heavy. To me, I think this is one of the heaviest Rage Against the Machine songs they have. Uh, it's just, it's just a powerhouse, just a wall of sound coming at you. But then you have those little weird, quirky things that Tom Morello does on the guitar, and it's just, man, it's fucking rad. This is when you kind of start seeing him experiment with the, his guitar and and doing kind of weird sounds and kind of off the wall things so I, I like that a lot that intro part before like the the bends that tom does it's it, it's very 90s sounding yeah. for me like I, I i hear almost every grunge band or any kind of harder rock band from the 90s kind of have that same flow and also that same sound coming from like the strumming of the guitar yeah, it's just a simple, simple, just chord progression, and it—it's the most basic thing you could possibly do in a song. But then, yeah, then he just gets into that awesome groove, where he just where he bends the notes and everything. It's man, it—it's so simple. It's so simple, but so good. It's what I, they do well. I think those bends that he uses are some of the most like some of the more iconic riffs that he's done. Also, yeah, and then he does like the the palm, not the palm mute. Why is it the palm mute thing? The da da da. I, he starts to it's like this weird helicopter noise where he's probably just switching the the tone on his guitar back and forth yeah i think he's just turning the volume on and off from what it looks like but it's i don't know it's like mesmerizing and then it's like an octave higher than what he was just playing too so like this like i said there's a lot going on in here so he's adding a lot of like bends on the strings he's like doing octave jumps there's a lot of stuff going on and and i think like Tom for sure is like the MVP on this song for me. Oh, he totally is. But then you have Timmy C, you know, coming in with those those rad bass lines and just, you know, laying down that bass track for Tom to to just kind of riff over like the that that really funky thing that that Tom does in the verses that went well, went I can't even I can't do it with good. my mouth, but yeah. It like but it. but I but yeah, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. He it just he there's so much funk in this song and it's so understated but yeah, the it, verse. It's effective. The verse has the bass kind of doing its own thing, 
while Morello is just keeping the groove, which is weird because it's kind of like backwards where the bass usually will keep the groove while the guitarist or Morello would kind of go off on his own. But like during the verses, like the bass is the one that's that kind of like coming forward while Morello is still doing some weird shit on the guitar is, is keeping the groove. And that's with that like nonstop electronic weird sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, what Timmy does on the bass is just like, but like I, I can't even explain it. It's just, it's so off the wall for like a bass player to do in a, in a rock song, you know, it's so funky. I, man, Laying they, it down they kill thick, it on the baby. They do. They really do on this song. And, and the, the vocal delivery on this is just, it, it's so angry and so pissed off. Uh, and I feel like this is, this song is like very, it's one of the more literal, at least from what we've already done on the pod, the songs we've already done, the lyrics are pretty literal They're And I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean... They're very in-your-face. Zach, the narrator, he literally wants to go down Rodeo Drive and shoot people with a shotgun. <laughs> I mean, that's because fucking rad. I mean, it's not rad because that's, you, know, it's you, not should, rad. you shouldn't be doing that, but <laughs> it's it's cool to sing and, and say out loud because it makes you sound badass, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, what's weird about this song, too, is the way it's structured. I mean, the... The song, besides that, that da na 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 na, just the the simple, simple guitar work right there. But then it goes right into the hook. I mean, the song starts with the hook essentially before right. it breaks into the verse, which is it's structurally it's it's a bizarre song. But I mean, that's kind of how all a lot of their songs seem to be from what I've been gathering over the last few weeks. I but. think like Rage does this this uh, this like call to arms type of thing really well where they do start off with the hook to get you hooked on the song and get you pumped up and you immediately are, are, are thrown into like the chorus. So you're, you know, you, you, you recognize something, even if you've never heard the song before. So later on when it comes back again, you're even more excited. And especially with a song like this, which talks about rolling down Rodeo with a shotgun, you're even more stoked about singing that out loud. And then coming on later with the different hooks, he adds that, the 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 whole hearse line and you can't plead the f- you got to plead the fifth because you can't, can't plead, plead the, the first yeah so like throwing that even still before what you already know from the beginning of the song just kind of makes you the way the anticipation is just killing you <laughs> yes it's so good it is it's oh man it's so good so I mean we might as well get into more of the the hook right now with the lyrics since we're already into it right sound yeah, good let's do it. So I mean, like like Jeff said, the the lyrics are, "Yeah, I'm rolling down Rodeo with the shotgun. These people ain't seen a brown skin man since their grandparents bought one." And I mean, that's those are the lyrics. He just says that multiple times. Um, but I, 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 the line, "These people ain't seen a brown skin man since their grandparents bought one," I think is is very uh, on the nose with you know people who do who are you know in the higher class and everything. I mean, it's most of those people are white, you know, it's just, that's what it comes down to. And, and you see somebody say, you, I mean, you see it in a lot of like high, high end communities, you know, you, there's a, you know, black guy walking down the street or a Hispanic dude walking down the street. Those people get called, called on, you know, the cops get called on those people because they're not normally seen in those high end areas and it's fucked up. And like he, Zach just brings it to the forefront. Like he doesn't even give a shit he doesn't try to sugarcoat it. He just says, you know, people are fucking racist and you know, they're pieces of shit. And what are we going to do about it? And this is what he says he, they sh- he should do or what people should do. You know, I, I like, it's, so like two things with that. I like that one that he says they haven't seen a brown skinned man. So he's not, he's like, he's including pretty much everybody that just isn't white, which I think is, yeah. is important because it's not, you know what I mean? Like, uh, all minorities are pretty much get shit on, especially in the Beverly Hills area. And the other thing is kind of going along the lines of, of like what you should do is, yeah, he's saying that we, sh- we pretty much need to resort to violence to finally get our voices heard, to finally get stuff done. And that kind of coincides with later on when he says that you can't, you got to plead the fifth cause you can't plead the first. And so I think, yeah, I think like this his writing in the, in the hook and the chorus I think it's it's cohesive and it's really good. Yeah, makes I, sense. I agree with you on that one. And uh, I totally lost my train of thought. Fuck. Yeah, well, that's I was gonna say something really cool. That's but. great, right? 
So like the next part of the of the hook when he says you can't waste a day because you because night brings the hearse, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, I mean, a couple things it could mean here. Like one, they don't waste today because you could be dead by the nighttime. Or the other other way that I was kind of thinking of is if you have if you roll if like if you think you're gonna go down Rodeo and kill a bunch of people, you're gonna do it during the day because at night everybody's gonna go home and sleep. So you gotta do it yeah. during the day. You don't want to waste a day because that's where all the people are, right? Because at night, Mike brings the hearse, means they're gonna go home and go to sleep, and you're not gonna be able to kill anybody. But I think it's yeah, more but the first it, one. it could it could also be you know talking about how you know you need to make the change during the day because at night is when they they come to kill you or they. That's essentially what he's getting at because the next line talks about Fred Hampton, who was killed in his bed at night. Uh, and if you don't know, Fred Hampton was the leader of the Black Panthers, and he was killed by police at night in his bed. So I think it, the the nurse, the hearse at night, is a ref is a direct reference to Fred Hampton being murdered. And uh, I, I think that I think I think he literally is he is speaking literally in this song. And I don't think it's I mean yeah it can be taken as a metaphor as well, and that's kind of the genius behind his lyrics, but. I, to me, I think it's just straight up literal because he does mention Fred Hampton directly, right? In the same song, so so that's that's kind of how I look at it too. But yeah, the metaphor I think is is right there as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the most obvious thing would be don't waste today because you could be dead by tonight. Yeah, but I like to think exactly. of it kind of in like that violent way where don't waste a day because that's where all the people are out and you can kill them all because at nighttime they go home and sleep and you can't kill anyone when they're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Like a video game, <laughs> like a horrible, horrible video game. So dumb. Yeah, exactly. And the so last, I mean, yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the last line of the of the hook, the plead the fifth because you can't plead the first thing. I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. That's probably one of my favorite lines besides the the rolling down with daylight. I just like to shout that out because it's fun. But I like I like but like but I like this but one I, because this also kind of goes along the lines with the violent tone. Pleading the fifth is is for people who don't want to incriminate themselves. That's what the, that's what the fifth is. Mm-hmm. And generally, we attribute pleading the fifth to guilty people. And yeah. since the narrator or Zach doesn't have any real freedom, because you can't really do anything unless you're white and plead the first, then yeah. he's going to have to commit plead crime and in turn plead the fifth in court. It's a lose-lose. Yep. It is, absolutely. It's great wordplay, really, really great wordplay. And that's in a hook. That's like not even like... Normally hooks are are meant for like just catchy sing along things, which it is, but there's so much there's the message in in this hook is just so powerful. It's uh it really goes to show his great lyric his great lyrics and his great songwriting ability. He's showing off that that Irvine education too. <laughs> exactly. He's pretty he's pretty smart dude. Yeah, he is. I, I think he is. But he would. I, mean, I don't. Would I don't agree have, with everything he talks about. But he is a smart guy. Do you think he would have been this smart or intelligent had he grown up in like East LA? Um, probably not. Probably not. I mean, I, up until this point, I guess, just because he wouldn't have had the same kind of access to education that he got elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the environment in in East LA or wherever you know in in LA essentially. You know, it's just, it wasn't a good place to be. It wasn't a place that nurtured education or anything really that great. It was a dangerous time to be alive. To be honest, uh, he probably experienced just as much kind of like stereotyping and racism in Irvine, even more so than he would have experienced in East LA because he he was a standout in Irvine and he wouldn't have been like a standout in East LA. So he probably experienced it more in Irvine than he would have in other parts where the minorities are are more prevalent yeah i mean that that that's a good point yeah i'm sure he did that i mean because i mean irvine i mean now it's predominantly asian and white but at the time yeah it was predominantly white it's a perfect city <laughs> what <laughs> it's a perfect city that's how they made it that's, they wanted to make a perfect city <laughs> oh my god oh you racist motherfucker <laughs> uh anyway you Let's lived get, in Irvine. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I know. I did. I'm Irvine's not denying awful. that. I fucking hate Irvine. Yeah, Irvine really sucks. I, I would never live there again. The never. Worst ever. place ever. Yeah, it fucking sucks for so many reasons. But anyway, uh, let's get into the first verse. Uh, 
he's oh fuck i closed the window damn it okay well first verse same <laughs> as the first a little bit louder yes. and a little bit worse yes exactly okay first verse uh i don't even know where i'm gonna go with this okay well i'll just i'll say some yeah, of just, my, just my, go, my just better go. lines uh yeah. them pen devils line that he says mm-hmm. i like that it's clearly a jab at uh, politicians anyone that uses the pen to to make change which is really cool because if you throw it way back when in bob dylan's song the times they are changing he also speaks of this writers and critics who prophesize with your pen so i mean this, this is like zach is taking not only from from political figures but also like social and, and other musicians from decades prior and in the same verse here he also references bob marley so i mean this guy knows his music too which is yeah really cool and I, I I just like when people make fun of other people from trying to do change through like pens and stuff. It's just I think it's always funny. Yeah, because like nothing in the end, nothing is, really changes. Pen is mightier than the sword, or on SNL, the the penis is mightier. <laughs> whatever he says. So yeah, that's good times. Times they yeah, are changing. They are, and you know it, it. It really talks about too. You know, people being born into poverty. They. Unfortunately, they often turn to dealing drugs and committing crimes and, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a bad, bad thing to, to be born into essentially because it's hard to get out of it because, you know, you, you don't grow up learning, you just, you just grow up in a very different way and that you, that those are, that's really the only option you have because you can't leave because, you know, you're just constantly being put down. I mean, you're working, you're either working, you know, 50 60 hours a week for shit pay and you could barely get by or you're yeah like i said you're resorting to crime and you're going to jail and you're being part of that system and it's just like it's just you can't get out of it and he just talks about you know just people being oppressed and not being able to get out of to not being able to climb the ladder to get out of poverty it's just so difficult and i I feel like that's just how it is and corporations just don't care they they come in and they they build factories and you know they they make people work for shit and then they end up moving to someplace cheaper once they could find it and then that just puts people out of work and like nobody looks out for one another that's what kind of how it is and it sucks yeah i mean he's ta- i mean like we know that he doesn't really agree with capitalism or doesn't like it or just thinks it needs to be changed dramatically mm-hmm. which it probably does but it's it's almost like he's taking like this clear like Marxist stand of like capitalism is straight up dividing us between the rich and the poor and both are getting more and more on the opposite ends of their own spectrum. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. And he's yeah. addressing that through like all of his songs and especially in this song. And like, yeah, like I said, he references that Bob Marley song, but the, I think the Bob Marley song is called We, the Them Bellies Full But We Hungry. But in the, the yeah. in the line he says we hungry but then belly full, um, and that's his. I mean the Bob Marley song itself is is kind of going a, along the lines of of disputing like the disparity regarding food and how food is 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 kind of hoarded and priced in a way to keep the poor poor and the rich richer because if if you're eating healthy, which costs more money, then you know you don't need healthcare really. You don't need to go to the doctors that often. But you go to McDonald's and you get a dollar cheeseburger and a dollar large fries. I mean, that's like that's so that's like dirt cheap. That's cheaper than groceries. And yeah. so that's what poor people are going to be eating. And in turn, they're going to become sick. They're going to die earlier. They're going to die sooner. They're going to develop long term problems, heart disease, obesity. I mean, there's so many things going on just because they don't have money to buy a fruit parfait or whatever the fuck they can buy at McDonald's. <laughs> that's yeah. probably like or it's $6. like the idea that. Or it's the idea that, you know, a, a two liter bottle of soda of like Coke is cheaper than, you know, a, a 16 ounce water, you know, it just, it, it's so backwards and it just doesn't make any sense. But the, the, there's one line in this first verse, which I think is really sums up everything. And it's, it's the clockers born staring at it, staring at an empty plate, mama's torn hands cover her sunken face. We hungry, but them belly full. Uh, like Jeff said, yeah, that, that, that last line was uh, in reference to Bob Marley, but I mean, it, it just, those three lines just completely set up what this entire song is about, you know? And then, like I said, you know, you're born into poverty. You just, you, you can't do anything about it. So you just have to work your, your fucking tail off. 
And for what? For nothing. You're still hungry, but you're making your bosses, you know, seven figures, you know. It's capitalism, so, baby. It is. You know, it's the bad part of capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it, that's just the way it is. And honestly, there's there's no way to change it. You, you can't change it. It's not going to happen. It, it sucks. For some, well, I, yeah. I mean, it could change. For some, it sucks. It could. Well, I mean, yeah, anything could happen because you never know. But in all likelihood, it's not. Until it affects the majority, then it's never going to happen. But it already does affect. It already is beginning to affect the majority. We all know nah. there's no, there's almost no middle class. It's almost gone. Well, I mean, moving here to Arizona, it's a very different lifestyle than California and a very different mindset. And the mindset here in Arizona is they are very pro-Trump. And so all my neighbors are. And so when I talk to them, I don't even know why I do anymore, but if I even try to talk to them about politics and it comes up that I, you know, I, I don't, I don't like who you like. We don't have the same views. It's, it's just like, oh, you, that's because you're from California and you're, you're from California and that's who you are. It's like, oh God, dude. Okay. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> I guess that's the end of that one then. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like it's like once, once people start attacking you for what you, what you think, then you just know what's the point in arguing with you. You're just going to attack me. It's, it's awful. It goes on both sides though. You know, both sides attack one another. True. Then you just know like, okay, I can't have like a conversation with you about anything. But at least in, in California and Orange County, there was, there was all, there was almost like 50, 50 of people who felt completely the opposite of me and who like aligned with me, but we could still like converse and, and be normal. Like one of listener of the pod is the complete opposite of the way I feel, but I still like him and we can still like have conversations and enjoy things. Yeah, but out here, exactly. I just, I just feel like people, I don't know, like, like just who, who I've run into. I don't run into a lot of people. I don't really do anything, but just who I've run into. <laughs> You're a homebody. Yeah, I mean, just who I've run into is just like, dude, how the fuck? Like, why do you think these things? Like, why are you like this? <laughs> who, who did this to you? What happened? Yeah. And, and I don't usually, get it. The, usually, the people that act like that are the people who do the least amount of research and just believe what other people say, without you know putting a lot of thought into things but i think until it affects those people nothing's gonna change yeah yeah maybe because they don't care until unless like somebody moves in next door to them that is not strictly white they're not gonna care i don't know anyway let's let's move on to what do we got next what uh we talked about the hook second verse same as the first yeah 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 so yeah this second verse uh you know Oh, we so we we already kind of talked about Fred Hampton because the second verse is the 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 has the line you know talking about Fred Hampton for the former leader of uh, the uh, Black Panthers. Uh, so he, he just was, says, you know, they ain't gonna send this camp in like they did my man Fred Fred Hampton. I mean, the rhyming's really good, but I didn't uh, know who Fred Hampton was until this week. I didn't either. I never heard the name. So I I, I looked. I kind of like read about him specifically his death. And like it's so bad, it's so dirty, yeah. it's so bad. So Fred Hampton was who he was the deputy chairman for the Black Panthers, the party in the late '60s. He was killed at age 21 in his bed during a raid. So pretty That's much like crazy. while he was sleeping and and on drugs, uh, which the aftermath of which is is widely speculated and believed to be an assassination by the FBI. Hey, probably they they've been known to do a lot of shady things. Them and the CIA. And it's like, dude, if you just like read, I mean, obviously that was just on like one page, but if you like, if you read the situations and what happened, it's so fishy and, and, and very condemning for the Chicago PD. And mm-hmm. it looked like the Chicago, the Chicago PD fired like 90 shots during this raid Fuck. and the Black Panthers fired one shot. That's insane. And that one That's... shot was presumed to be a reflex shot from being shot by the PD. <laughs> Man, it's fucked, man. It, it's crazy to think that how bad things were back in the 60s and the 50s, you know, it, how the civil rights movement came about and just, you know, what was happening before and during that is, I mean, some people might argue, yeah, it's still like that nowadays, but I don't believe that at all. I mean, the the atrocities that were happening back in the 60s are very different from what's going on right now. The segregation being the prime example of that. I mean, 
the blatant i'm sorry the blatant segregation back then it was just astonishing it, it's unbelievable that it ha- it happened such a short time ago it's unbelievable that people still think that way yeah I, I'm, it's, in, I, I'm encountering more and that more over here of people that straight up think that way yeah more so than california but well yeah absolutely because i mean california is like a, a a hodgepodge of different ethnicities and cultures. I mean, you and I grew up in the, in that, you know, we, we grew up in so many different communities that we, that most people in the United States don't experience. I think it's just like California. They they just don't, they don't care. Like everything's just, it's good, man. It's good, dude. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. Honestly, that's one good thing about growing up in Southern California is that, I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of positive things to say about Southern California, but that's one of them is that we grew up in such a, a diverse cultural landscape. And I, th- I think that's great because I mean, it taught us not to be a, essentially a bunch of assholes and just to accept everybody. And like, you know, it just, just, that's just how life is, you know, and everybody's fucking different. So, <coughs> but a lot of people just don't experience that, especially throughout the Midwest. And you know, like where even where you are, you're in Arizona, which even still has a large Hispanic community, but still there's the racism and the, the bigotry still, carries on strongly in arizona carries on that was this is a loud spike right now so maybe i should just wait a second okay cool we're good <laughs> all <laughs> I right what to do in those parts nah, just do just do, do you, boo. you boo and then uh all let's right. get more into like the the second verse lines too um okay another another fun another fun uh line is when he talks about the room full of armed pawns right the arm wait Oh, okay. Yeah, one of the last yeah. ones. Yeah, uh, I think that's that. That's also kind of a, a a good imagery that he's trying to show us. Because in chess, like pawns are completely disposable, and you don't really yeah. you sacrifice pawns to get at the higher ups, like the king or the knights or the rooks or whatever you want to do. Yeah, and like even in chess, man, like the pawns are sacrificed, and the king doesn't give a shit about the pawns. Yeah, and then also in Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I, which I, uh, I don't know if you got to the episode, but when they play chess, the captain is playing with Gina, and he says, "Okay, I, I go first. and she's like, "Well, why do you go first? Oh, because whites go first. and she's like, "Damn, Captain, even like chess is racist." I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I didn't know that. If, like, is that like a real thing? I didn't, know, I didn't know that either. No, I had no idea. Because that is, I, I mean, I know how to play chess. I just didn't know that rule. I, I guess I mean yeah, chess I just, is an old I game just and looked it up. you know whites it, go first in chess. It was just funny because the captain is black in Brooklyn Nine Nine, and like the whole I guess, show is is based around him rising through the ranks as like the first gay black police commissioner and things. And it was just really funny that she said, "Damn, captain, even chess is racist." <laughs> oh, I loved it. Oh man, yeah, pawns. Don't be a pawn. Yeah, don't be a pawn. Try not. Try to not be, to be a pawn. That sucks. Yeah, don't let them make you a pawn. How about that? Yes, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, another line is, you know, a ballot's dead, so a bullet's what I get. Uh, it's just another way of saying, you know, voting is pointless, essentially, and because uh, everybody's corrupt. I mean, nothing's going to change. The only thing that's going to change is, you know, the bullet to someone's head, essentially, the death of somebody. Or, you know, violence, this is just pretty much saying violence is the only answer. And in some cases, yeah, that's unfortunately true because there's corruption in everything. And I don't know. It's it's fucked. I, it it just it just a lot of these lyrics just make you think, you know, just to kind of give up. And that's kind of what. I mean, do you have anything else to say about the second verse? Because I mean, that kind of leads into the last the last the outro. I think the fuck the G ride part's important too. He says, "Yeah, fuck the G ride. I want the machines that make them." I mean, that's directed at also taking the power back to the people. That another Marxist idea of taking the power back from the ruling class and giving it to the working class. Mm-hmm. So I, I I I like I like all of like Zach's ideals and what he's doing. I still don't know if he wants to, if he like wants to have like a socialist society or like a communist society. I'm not too sure, but I know for a fact he does not like capitalism. Yeah, and I mean from from everything that we've done on these on these three episodes, it it seems like he does follow like you know Maoism and communism and and you know all that kind of stuff. Like he that's what he's suggesting i mean that's who that's essentially what what they're supporting i mean on the was it the the bomb track episode it was a lot of it was about uh what was going on in peru right it was peru and and the guerrilla warfare and but it was all it was all based on maoism and the maoist ideology 
So, I mean, I kind of, if, if that's kind of what they're supporting, I would think that that's kind of how he feels and how he feels, you know, things should be going. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I, who knows what he's actually, who knows, who knows what he thinks about now? You know, yeah, this is like seriously. 25 years ago. I mean, that's probably why he doesn't, that, that's kind of been my theory with the reason why he never really made music after Rage was because, you know, his ideals changed and he didn't want to sing about things that he no longer believed in. That's really what I think it is. And he feels like a hypocrite, you know, taking all this money and essentially becoming what he stood against in the 90s. That's really what I think it is. Probably. Yeah. He grew up. But Tom Morello, he doesn't give a shit. He rakes in all that cash. Oh, yeah. He's in Tom Morello. He gives zero <laughs> fucks. He doesn't care. He'll join it's any so band. It's so great. Like, the hypocrisy of Tom Morello is great. I mean, I think the guy is wildly talented, and I absolutely respect his musicianship, but I think he's the biggest fucking hypocrite in the world. It's it's astonishing. Yeah. But does... Uh, so, when the, in the line, fuck the G-Ride, is that a reference to, like, the G-Wagon, the Mercedes G-Wagon? I'm assuming it is. I think I think that's a reference to... I think that's like a shot at 90s rappers when the whole bitches and hoes things was super popular and everybody wanted a cool whip. And so he's saying, like, I don't want the fucking car. I want the factory that makes the car. Yeah. And the I, factories it, are generally owned by rich people and he wants to take the factory from the rich people and give it to the people working at the factory so they can make more money. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I got too, but I wasn't sure if it was kind of like a double, I don't want to say double entendre. but Double entendre? Just meaning two different things, you know, with, because considering G-Wagons are very fucking expensive cars. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and I like his message in this song as well. It's kind of under all of it, but it's just kind of talking. It's pretty much talking shit on rappers of the 90s, like you said, constantly. You know, they, they think success is, you know, buying expensive things. But it, Zach is saying, no, that's not that's not right. Like you're being tricked. You're being duped into believing that success is buying expensive things and, and supporting these big corporations when that's not the case. That's not what you should be singing or rapping about. You should be rapping about, you know, the, the, those less fortunate. And, you know, I think this is him kind of saying, you know, fuck you to all the other rappers out there. I agree. But yeah. So should we move on to the outro? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the outro, um, uh, you know, the the first line of the outro is, the rungs torn from the ladder can't reach the tumor. One God, one market, one truth, one consumer. Uh, and then it's just a quiet, peaceful dance. I I think those lines are, they they sum up everything about this song. They talk about, you know, the rungs torn from the ladder is the 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 rich fat cats walking up the ladder, but you know, essentially destroying all means of reaching their success from the lower from the lower class so they can't reach the tumor which is the rich people and i i just i think that that right there just tells you how fucked up society is and capitalism can be you know so that that's that's one of the biggest like complaints of capitalism is that it it breeds or it did it it divides the classes into into like two people the rich and, and the poor basically the workers and the owners and and because of that, because you own a factory and after production costs and wages, you have a profit. That profit is still more than what the workers are getting. So the rich are going to get richer and richer and richer. And capitalism in theory would like for the workers to be incentivized to open their own factory. But that's mm -hmm. just that's just not the case. And that's just not what happens. And so like this is the biggest problem with capitalism is people climbing these ladders and they don't care who they step on. They don't care who they step over. They don't care if they even break the ladder. They just want to get to the top as fast as possible and make as much money as possible, which mm -hmm. in turn you have things like Jeff Bezos, who was, what, $100 billion or some shit? Yeah, one of the richest people on the planet. Like yeah. however fucking much money he has that he can't possibly spend. And it's like, okay, I understand that he did earn that money. That's his money. I get it. But it's like, dude, really? How is that even possible? How does that expense, make sense? You know? How does that make sense that he has this much money and so many people have none of it? Yeah. That's You're not absolutely that's right. not like what capitalism should be and that's that's like the prime example of why it is failing right now. Mm -hmm. And the next it's line It's absolute greed. One god, one market, one truth, one consumer. That's that's a direct kind of throwback to in the Nazi days for their slogan and I'm not going to read it in German. I'll read it in English cuz Ooh, I'll read it in German. German. Can do I you have read it pulled in up? German? I do have it pulled up. Yeah, read it in German. 
Okay, in German, it's Ein Volk, Ein Reich, Ein Führer. I, I, that was pretty good, right? That was pretty good. I was dedicated to my German right there, and I didn't try not to skip a beat. I think you did Polish yesterday, and then German I did today. Pol- <laughs> I you. did, yeah. I'm a, I'm a world traveler. Tour in Europe. Oh, no, there. I'm not going to say I was going to say something really bad. What are you going to say? <laughs> He's edited I, out. Never mind. No. <laughs> you have the power to edit. So you can say I was going to say no, because then I'll forget to edit it. So no. I will remind you. <laughs> I'll tell you after we record. Right. I was going to say something, but then I realized that that could really be taken in a bad way. So never mind. I was also reading too that, I mean, for good cause, the Germans, the Germans, they, they, they actively go out of the way to not use the word Fuhrer now because of its... Ties oh to yeah, Hitler. Yeah, Taylor. Yeah, but I think it just it means leader. So I would like. I wonder how, like, what other words they use instead of like leader. Or, like you know, what they I mean? probably made up a new word for leader. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> oh, but we didn't even say what that meant. Oh, what one, I said in German: one people, one empire, one leader. Yes, exactly. And so that's, that's exactly that's, what that's it good. is. Yeah, so it's a direct reference to that Nazi slogan: "Ein Volk, Ein Reich, Ein Führer." There we go. I'm very proud of my German right now. I don't know, but I'm not a Nazi, so don't don't say I am, please. I'm far just, from that. Just because you're German, I wouldn't assume you're a Nazi. Some people do. You never know. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What are we talking about? I don't know. But yeah, that, and then so the 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 last kind of line in the uh, the outro is just a quiet, peaceful dance. Uh, what I get from that is just this is just him. That line right there is just him saying, you know. There's essentially nothing we could do. We just have, kind of have to sit back and let it happen. You know, the, the, the ending of the song is just kind of him giving up on what he was just talking about. And it's kind of sad. It's just like there's no hope at this point. That's what I get from it. It also, because in the Bob Marley song that was referenced earlier, he Bob Marley also talks about dancing, like just straight up actual literal dancing as a way to combat societal issues because dancing will it's a good meditation effect that will bring you closer to jaw and calm you and so this Mm. could also be a double entendre where he's actually talking about dancing as a as a way to solve all these issues because in the beginning you know he said he's rolling down rodeo with a shotgun extremely violent approach and now he's taking the extremely pacifist approach Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Kind of like those. I like to, I like that push and pull. I do too. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't I didn't catch that, but that's good. That's a good observation, for sure. Double entendre. <laughs> okay, uh, that that's pretty much it lyrically, right? I mean, we we kind of we broke it down pretty pretty yeah. well. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, bringing it back to the music, I mean, we gotta we gotta give it up again for Brad Wilk. I mean, this is just another song where his beats are just spot on and he just keeps it in the pocket and his fills are tasteful and classy and but they're fucking loud and bombastic at the same time and i props to brad wilk again he he kills it he's killed it on every song so far that we've talked about these guys are a super group that every single one of them is is phenomenal in their own way yeah absolutely for sure like the winners tom morello and the losers brad wilk i i hate saying it though but you're right i we gotta give we gotta give give it to Tom. Tom Tom kills it on this one. Kills it. Yeah, he really does. He what he does on his guitar is just it. It th- there's still no guitar player that has his st- same style of play. Like, and it, if anybody would try, they're just like, oh, it's it sounds like Tom Morello's being ripped off. You know, it's true. Like you you can't you can't even try to sound like him because you're just gonna sound like it a bad imitation of it. Yeah, it's just he's so unique, and I I. I He's wildly underrated, and this this song is an example of that, of his his, yeah, his talent. So and it's so weird that he chose, or he fell into kind of like the rap metal genre instead of doing like his own thing, as as if he was like Joe Satriani or something. It's kind of, it's it's weird, and and I mean, it's good for everybody. But if you think about it, he he does have a message, and you know it's hard to convey this particular message instrumentally you know it's not gonna it's not gonna carry the same weight as having zach like one of the most powerful vocalists out there to to send this message out i mean we've talked about it on our main podcast uh you know 
how Zach, like when it comes to political music, Zach is one of the few people out there that can properly properly deliver like a strong, powerful political statement. There aren't very very many people who can do it, and but he's the best, one of the best. I guess what I'm so, saying I mean, is, is I I think because we 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 said this before, and, and Tom is definitely. He's definitely an activist, and I know he he's his heart and probably in the right place. He loves those paychecks, but he's not a leader. He's he's a good yeah. he's a good follower, but he's not a leader. And I mean that's probably the reason why. I mean, because like like guys like Joe Satriani, who his band is it will be like the Aliens or Joe Satriani and something else. Tom Rello could have his own band where it's Tom Rello and this or Tom Rello and that, but he's always kind of like a follower in the band, like Prophets of Rage or be it audio slave or rage and he's always kind of like a follower in those bands but it doesn't mean that he is like a sheep type of follower he's still an important part of rage yeah and probably the best part of profits of rage and so to say that he's a follower i mean that's like the only word i can think of right now well i mean he i mean he kind of did lead you know the night watchman but i mean that's a very different style of music and then yeah i mean Street Sweeper Social Club was essentially just rage, but it was rage music, but with, you know, a different singer. But I don't know. I just don't think he would do as well on his own. Yeah. As yeah, like a true. Joe Satriani type player. No, there's no way. There's no way. He would, but, it would still I mean, be he, good, smart. but I, 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 I think he needs someone else there to kind of like push him. Well, you know the what he's been doing, like on a, he's been doing like solo tours like in the, within the last year. And it's just him up there and he's just playing guitar to like a backing track. Yeah. And essentially he has like people just sing along in the crowd with him, like yeah. sing the rage songs, which is cool. And he's done a lot of spoken word stuff too. Like the early parts of that tour, it was just spoken word and like yeah. clubs and stuff. And so he does, I don't think he's afraid to do these things. I just think that he knows he does better when he has someone there to push him and, and, and pull those creative ideas mm-hmm. out of him. Yeah, you're he's right. He's like Kobe, right? Because Kobe's not like a great leader or a coach, but damn, dude, he's like the best follower ever. Yeah, you're. that's a great example. Kobe he coaching? Is. Come on. No way. He would never, he'd never <laughs> make on. it as a coach. That's why, and he knows it. That's why he didn't, he didn't turn to coaching when he retired. Yeah. Like a lot of players do. I love that. I love that. be a good coach. I love when like the greats know their places. They know, yep. and like that's what makes them even greater is knowing their place. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wish Michael Jordan would would know his place as far as like finances are concerned because he's not doing a good job with the Bobcats. <laughs> no, not at all. I can't believe that team is still around. That they haven't been dissolved. Wait, the Bobcats—they changed their name, right? They didn't. They're not the Bobcats anymore. They moved to the the Bobcats moved to New Orleans and became the Pelicans, right? Yes. Or or did they move to Charlotte and become the Hornets? They're the Charlotte Hornets right now. Are they the Charlotte Hornets now? Yeah. Okay, again, okay, yeah fucking crazy i don't know how much of i don't know how much michael jordan owns the team i know he has like the controlling interest of the team but i don't know if he owns like all of it or whatever it is but i don't know damn they garbage yeah but then some players do really well you know when they coach like phil jackson being the best example of that he was a good player he won championships but as a coach he was way better oh yeah and then larry bird i mean larry bird was the exception of where like he was an amazing player but also a really great coach so but some some people just can't do it. They know, cannot do it. Know your role, Jason man. Kidd. Jason Kidd's a good example of that. Shit, coach. I forgot about Jason Kidd. Great player, Luke Walton. Not a good player. <laughs> Great assistant coach, but not a good head coach. They never played him. But he because he wasn't good. He never had the chance. He was a good cheerleader for the team. <laughs> but that, that was about it. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, that's that's yeah, a lot of basketball. Those, those were the good old days. Of the those were the good old days. Uh, I love watching the Lakers back then. That was so good. In the pretty 90s much, and 2000s. Pretty much any time before Andrew Bynum got to the team was a good time for the Lakers. Oh, dude, that was the that was the golden era for me of basketball. Oh, man, it was so good. Yeah. So good. Andrew anyway, Bynum's the reason why I stopped watching basketball. Andrew Bynum was a bitch. But he was also <laughs> very young. Yeah. he was. But so was Kobe and LeBron. They were young, too. But they were a different kind of douchebag because they weren't. They were actually way better than Bynum was. Bynum, Bynum was good, but not that. He was good. a crybaby. He was, yeah, he was. Like Kevin Durant. Like he, yeah, he it's it's funny. Like you get you, like, oh, he did. That's right. What a little wuss. Oh God, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh, God. It's funny because you get, you get 
people like Andrew Bynum and Shaq, two enormous fucking players, like size wise, but their personalities are wildly different. Like Shaq, Shaq threw punches. Shaq would almost killed people on the court, <laughs> but Bynum just cried and fell on the ground. Yeah, he's but just, I, he wasn't tough. No, and you need I, to be tough. You're going to be in there in the paint all the time. Like you got to be tough. It's true. I mean, look at look at how when Shaq almost killed Charles Barkley. On, on the Charles court. Barkley's that? like tougher than Shaq. I know, but you remember that? Gnarly. You remember that video of him throwing the punch at Barkley and missing? Yeah. But if that, if that had made contact, man, that he would have been out. He would have killed him. He'd be he'd yeah. be in jail. He'd be in prison. <laughs> it's funny because have you ever seen the video like recently when that video has been brought up? Because you know how they they do that that TNT thing yeah. at the halftime show, and they brought somebody brought that video up and they they played it and just they were just riff, like ripping on each other. It was really good. It's a cool video if you want to go look it up. I, I love them on that show. I mean, that has nothing to do with this podcast, but I love no, them but who on cares? that show. It's so funny. They're great. Their they're back and forth is so good because they're both like kind of equally kind of, I don't want to say dumb, but just kind of like yeah, goofy. They are. They're both just like they're, really goofy people. They're, they're probably like under the, the, the median of intelligence, I would, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> especially Charles Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, but they're so great together. They're, it, that, it's so much fun to watch. And they always like challenge each other, like who can lose the most weight or who can make the most free throws and just stupid shit like that. Yeah, they always give up halfway through. (laughs) Barkley always gives up. Shaq always follows through. Barkley always whisses out. Mm. That's good stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't really have anything else. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there is a demo to this song. Uh, I don't know. Should I play the demo? It's it's an instrumental. There's no vocals on it. So I mean, and it's pretty gritty. Did you listen to it or did you find it? Uh, is it similar no. to the to this song? It's very similar to the song. It's just like the bass yeah. is turned up higher in the mix. Uh, it's a little bit more. Rough, it is a rougher mix, and it there's no vocals on it. Unless like the demo is different in any way, other than just like the production of it, then I don't I don't really care. Nah, not really. So I won't play it. Uh, there was no music video. It was a single. Uh, well, it was supposed to be a single. It was supposed to be the third single from Evil Empire. Um, but they at the you know they they never really sent out the actual single to radio stations in the U.S. So it technically wasn't. But there was some some art. They did make artwork for the single. So everything was there for at, for it. But they never actually released it, which was weird. Um, so yeah, no music video. Uh, I tried looking it up. Prophets of Rage and Audio Slave never played this song, so I got nothing for you there. Uh, there was a, there are some really great live videos of it. They did play this song a lot. You you sent me a, a link to the when they played at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago back in '96. That was a great performance. They just they just looked fucking cool as hell, and they just played the song flawlessly. Um, and I, I think I said to you last night. Uh, it, what's cool about Rage too is that they dress like they don't have like a gimmick like a stage gimmick they just kind of dress like normal guys of that time you know it's just, yeah I, they just look cool because they look so normal like Tom Morello's got they, like the long dickies with the high white socks on and yeah no shirt are on. really baggy with dickies yeah and he's got like the the dreads he's starting to grow out <laughs> you know they just look fucking cool as hell I don't know but it, it was a really good performance. So I mean, if you go check it out on YouTube or something. It's it's a good watch, and the the crowd is amazing. They're just going ape shit. But uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Um, covers wise, I couldn't find much, uh, or even remixes. There not a lot of people. Have, all I really fa- found most like of was covers. just like guitar covers. Yeah, a couple drum covers and a couple bass covers. But other than that, it wasn't anything too crazy. But I did find, uh, I don't know really know what this was for but it was it's essentially Nas and rage against the machine uh and it was kind of like a weird mashup so i'm gonna play it it was off of some weird compilation the compilation was called like uh, i don't even know what it's called but this mashup is called made you go down rodeo did you ever did you see this at all no it sounds so stupid it's it is kind of stupid so here it is (laughs) Let's get 
get it all in perspective For all y'all enjoyment, a song y'all can step with Y'all appointed me to bring rap justice But I ain't 5-0, y'all know it's Nas, yo Great Goose and a whole lot of Hydro Only describe us as soldier survivors Stay laced in the best, well-dressed with finesse in the white tee, looking for wifey Thug girl who fly and talk so nicely Put her in the coupe so she can feel the nice breeze We can drive through the city, no doubt But don't say my car's topless Say the titties is out Newness, here's the anthem Put your hand up that you shoot There you go, there's a kind of a bad mashup of it it's (laughs) just stupid it sucks yeah it's it it's bad but i mean there's like nothing out there but i did also find um like a slow-mo version of it of this song it's just called slow-mos i found it on soundcloud i I don't know there wasn't like it's weird like there's never really anything on youtube covers wise or anything like that it's all the good stuff i find is mostly on soundcloud but even soundcloud was was pretty minimal but it's not fucking plain Ooh. Oh my god! Oh. I think it's pretty sad on that matchup that they made Nas sound stupid. <laughs> yeah, he does sound really sounds really weak. Like for a guy that made one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, to well, sound silly. On. What Illmatic? Get out of here! Uh, I mean, it's good. Easily but top it's ten not like greatest hip hop albums of all time. No, top ten, possibly oh, top maybe. five, maybe. No, not top five. Definitely not top five. You're maybe crazy. top ten. Oh, we're doing Maybe that top one 10. soon. No, we probably will. We're but. doing it soon. Well, anyway, I can't play this because my stupid SoundCloud app is not loading, and it's really pissing me off. So I guess, you know, I'm not going to play it. It's just a, a shitty slow-mo version of <laughs> Down Rodeo. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's about it. Did you, did you find anything, nothing at all? No, right? uh, I just saw that. This song made its debut at a Seeker show in L.A. in 96 at a place called The Dragonfly. I've never even heard of that place. I haven't either. And I, I Googled like Dragonfly and there's a bar in L.A. called The Dragonfly. I, mean, I don't know if it's the same thing or if it's been like refurbished or something. I don't know. But Can you imagine seeing them at like a little tiny bar? Oh, dude. Especially How like fucking a, nuts that would be? Like a little secret show like this. and Yeah. Ah, cool. dude, that'd be fucking nuts. That's back when LA was probably cool too. That's when it was like really dangerous and like grimy and gross. Yeah, but it was probably still cool though. Eh, maybe like, you never know. All these all these great bands played there in like the nineties and did secret shows and like now it's just at least shit. There's nothing good about LA. That's true. Yeah, LA nothing. Is, There's not one LA good thing about shit. LA. I agree. L.A. is is not cool, man. It's I, not cool. I may even stretch it to all of L.A. County is shit. Yeah, probably, probably. I'm okay. I might agree with you on that one. But anyway, yeah, that's that's all I got here. I, I got nothing else. Ooh, that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all we got. That's all we got, baby girls. Yeah, that's um, it for Rodeo. Yeah, we just did Down Rodeo by Rage Against the Machine. And this is Rage Against the Pod or Rat Pod. Uh, Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Uh, We all appreciate it, Jeff and I being all of us. Uh, (laughs) Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Go follow us on social media at, or not Asinine Radio. Woo! That's a reflex. Um, At Rage Against the Pod on Instagram and Rage Against Pod on Twitter. Go check us out there. so there you have it. Uh, that's about it. I don't know what song we're going to do. It's Jeff's pick. Oh. Teacher's pick. So oh. uh, stay tuned for that and uh, enjoy yourselves. So bye. Bye. Oh, yes. <laughs>